Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dale Denwald. And I'm Nuria martinez Keel. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. Oklahoma's cattle population has fallen 12% as ranchers struggle to provide food and water for their livestock. Many people in the agriculture industry are calling the current drought a crisis. Ben Felder wrote a sobering dispatch about the desperate measures being taken to save cattle herds across the state from dry ponds and a shortage of hay to feed them. Ben, can you describe for us the environmental challenges faced by ranchers right now? Yeah, so a severe drought is hitting the state. It's hit the state in some parts uh, for more than a year now. And as people know, drought means lack of water. And that's the uh, the, the crucial challenge for, for ranchers across the state is how to get water to their cattle. They would obviously need it, uh, need it every day. In some places, you might have a, a water pond that's constantly stocked, or you might have a, a water line that you can draw out. But uh, as water, as ponds are, are drying up, um, shipping water is becoming more expensive and more challenging even getting the basic infrastructure such as those maybe many people are familiar with those giant tractor wheels that get cut in half and they kind of act as water troughs i had one rancher tell me that there's like a five-month waiting list just to get some of those new ones out here so it's a pretty dire situation all revolving around getting water uh to cattle when they're faced with a lack of water and then obviously hay and food for that as a result of of water what options do ranchers have when they don't have those traditional resources and and what is the state doing to help them right now well when you when you don't have water on your property so if your pond is dry then you've got to ship the water in um and that's not an option for everybody because it's a cost and just kind of the demand right now is exceeding what's available Uh, but farmers are trying to find some creative ways or new ways to not only meet the the crisis today, but also, you know, knowing that this is probably not going to end anytime soon, or we're going to continue to see this kind of cyclical drought conditions. Um, I've talked to some who are saying that, uh, we, you know, we need to invest in new power sources at pumps. You know, the pumps need electricity. You can't always run an electrical line out to the middle of nowhere. So how can you use solar panels maybe in, in order to, to make these pumps functional? Maybe the silver lining of the ponds being dry is that, the, that they can go in and clean them out to make them more efficient in the future so that they can kind of retain their water better. So ranchers are looking at both the immediate and the long term. And when it comes to what they're looking to for a state response, um, that's kind of what I'm hearing from state agriculture leaders as well, is what can we do right now to meet this immediate need, but also what can we do to kind of meet future needs? And once again, I mean, if you put in a pump with a solar panel, uh, you know, powered infrastructure, I mean, that helps you today, but it also helps you down down the road. And uh, what the state is doing right now, the most uh, the most uh, impactful thing they're doing right now, is they're trying to decide how to spend $3 million worth of emergency uh, drought funds. Um, that's not a big number. It's not going to go very far, um, but it is something. And right now, anything anything would be helpful. So Oklahoma is no stranger 
to drought. But from your description and interviews with people in the industry, it seems different. Um, how does 2022 compare with struggles they've experienced in the past? Oklahoma is no stranger, obviously, to extreme weather. And, and farmers and ranchers of any age will tell you that, whether they've been you know, on the land for decades or they just remembered the stories of their parents and grandparents. But uh, you talk to, to many and they'll say that it, it definitely is becoming more intense and more extreme. I mean, we're seeing uh, you know, 50-year droughts now happen every 10 years. Um, and the current drought we're in, like I said earlier, has been impacting parts of the state for, for more than a year. And so I think it's uh, it's something that farmers and ranchers who have that firsthand experience, I mean, you can go back and look at the, the stats of, of, of weather and, you know, what, what major events did Oklahoma face when you go back and look at kind of the historical record. But to talk to them, the actual you know, those that have the experience of working in the field every day, they will, you know, many will tell you that this is as bad or as worse as they've ever seen it. And so there is an acknowledgement that, hey, the, the climate is changing. Now we can talk about whether or not there's a belief that that's man-made or that's just, uh, you know, caused by some other factor. But the reality is the agriculture community, I think, is aware, maybe more than anybody, especially here in Oklahoma, that uh, that this part of the planet, if not the planet as a whole, uh, is, is the temperature is rising and that is causing challenging conditions, you know, like a severe drought. Was it so- surprising to you to hear ranchers acknowledge the role that climate change plays in the current situation? Yes. From a political perspective, I think it could, on, on in first glance, you can always think that that's surprising because, I mean, whether the stereotypes are true, I think we all maybe kind of consider that many, you know, farmers and ranchers from more politically conservative parts of the state might be more skeptical towards climate change. I mean, I've written in recent weeks, I mean, obviously this has been a state that has been some of the most resistant politicians towards climate change have come from Oklahoma. And so on one hand, you may be surprised to hear someone acknowledge climate change, especially since we've kind of come the last couple of decades, it seems like just, you know, acknowledging the the existence of climate change has been one of the most fierce political debates. But on the other hand, not surprising, because like I said, I mean, for, for many of these men and women who are working in the fields, I mean, they know better than anybody what the climate is doing and what the weather is doing. And once again, another conversation could be had about the causes and political implications of that. But but you're exactly right. I mean, farmers and ranchers, many of them will tell you like the climate is changing. It's getting hotter. And, and there's no disputing that. Ben, I'm, I'm curious if this drought is covering the whole state or if there are certain parts of the state that are maybe spared from this and other parts that are particularly hard hit by this drought. It is hitting some parts of the state worse than others. I think in western Oklahoma uh, and southeast are hitting some severe uh, parts of the drought. Some of those places have been at category four and fives for well over a year. You know, when you look at Oklahoma, what's really interesting about the, the, the landscape here is that west of Oklahoma City, the western part of the state, is drier and the eastern part of the state is greener. Um, now, the eastern part of the state is, is, is being impacted by the drought as well, but the conditions maybe in some parts of eastern Oklahoma maybe or look a little different than they do in, in western Oklahoma. And you see that even in, in normal times or, or, or non-drought times. Uh, you need more acres in, in western Oklahoma to have 50 head of cattle than you do in eastern Oklahoma just because of the of the, the greenery and the grass that's available and that kind of thing. Um, but it's definitely impacting farmers and ranchers all across the all across the state. And that was something that I've been talking to some officials with various ag groups. You know, they can pinpoint and they can direct me, to, and they have, to uh, you know, ranchers in all corners of the state. Yes, some are being hit harder than others. But even if you're you're having a mild drought right now, you're still impacted. You know, if you, your demand is, has increased for hay or water, I mean, you're competing now with other parts of the state and other states that are maybe even if they're having a severe, a more severe time, you're still having to compete with them to get the, the resources and infrastructure necessary. So these farmers and ranchers are having to make really tough decisions about where to buy water, where to buy hay, how to get it not only to their farm, but get it into Oklahoma if they have to go out of state for it in your 
article you quoted somebody suggesting that you know, farmers and ranchers need to make a decision about how big their herds should be, with some suggesting that they should consider reducing the size and the number of cattle and livestock that they have. How sustainable is this, not only for Oklahoma's economy, but for the individual ranchers who are trying to make a living? Yeah, I mean, we're going to see some generational changes after this. And Nuria, you, you mentioned this in your opening, that we've seen kind of a 12% reduction of herds. Now, I mean, ranchers are always selling off cattle, um, but they're having to make decisions right now knowing that they can't sustain you know, they're heard much longer that they're that they're selling them off. And what that means is if you sell off a, you know, a, a, a female cow, I mean, you've lost that ability to produce other cows. Um, and there's a couple of things that come from that. One is um, you may see an increase in the market of beef. And some experts that I've talked to in this field have said you may see prices decline or you may not see an initial rise in prices because there will be more cattle being sold back onto the market as farmers and ranchers are, are, are coming to terms with the fact that I've got to get rid of my herd now because I might not be able to do so or maybe not be able to keep them alive, you know, in a few months. But what that is going to mean is that next year when some of those herds that they prematurely sold off that they would normally be, you know, selling into the market, uh, they're not going to be there. So, um, you know, there are some that I've talked to that said this, they're predicting a, a pretty dire, you know, beef shortage, you know, maybe not this year, but next year uh, as a result of this. And what that'll mean is that'll mean, you know, a shortage means that there'll be an increase in, in prices. And so if you see beef prices go up, which we have seen in recent years, but if you see a spike next year, um, you can point to this time right now where we're seeing, uh, you know, ranchers have to sell off the herd. The other thing too, and, and and I don't necessarily have any statistics on this to know how many this is impacting, but when you just anecdotally talk to people in the industry who, who know farmers and ranchers and, and know what people are going through, there are lots of ranchers who are near the end of their career, um, and they don't necessarily have someone to take over for them, that their children aren't going into the business like, like they did to follow in their parents' footsteps. And so for some, if you're selling off your herd, are you at the age where a year or two from now, when conditions have improved, are you going to want to get back in? I mean, are you going to just feasibly from a, you know, you've retired essentially, are you going to want to get back in? Two, are you going to have the money to get back in? And so I think one of the biggest fears too, is that we're going to see some ranching operations, you know, family run small, you know, mom and pop, so to speak, ranching operations that go away that are just never going to come back. That's a loss of a a family business, but that's also going to hurt rural communities that really, you know, you know, these towns that are dotted across the landscape of Oklahoma outside the two metros, you know, survive in large part because of the farming and ranching operations that are around them. And so I think what we're going to see, the impact of what's happening right now is going to be felt, um, you know, not just next year, but for, you know, the next generation. Sounds like the economy of scale for livestock in Oklahoma could maybe shrink in the coming years. Exactly. And I think that's something, I mean, that's a big concern that I hear, especially many people who represent some of the big uh, cattle and agriculture organizations in the state. Well, Ben, thank you so much for taking us out um, onto these cattle farms and showing us what's going on out there. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahoman subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read these stories and more every day in The Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.